Hi, I'm Jillian Swinford. And I'm Haley Brolison. And this is Mother Nature Will Kill You. A podcast about the most horrific tragedies and the most triumphant survival stories that the wilderness can provide. So grab your backpack and maybe a bottle of wine and let's go on a wild ride into the unknown. Walking down this road I go, but I am going alone, running far, far from home, till I am skin and bone. Yes, I did. <laughs> That's new. Okay, Zoom, chill out. <laughs> like we get it. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I was on. I was taking a statistics course today through UT Austin, and like she asked if it was okay if you know they recorded the the whole class, and I was like, I mean, I can't. I paid for this course, so I'm not. I'm not going to go anywhere. Also, I'm yeah. not going to talk to anybody because I don't have to because it's Zoom, and I'm not the teacher, so I can just sit here in silence and make comments that you can't hear. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so I've been in this room a little bit too long today. So if I get weird that's why oh I love it Mm -hmm. get weird Mm -hmm. so how are you I'm great I just got back from the Everglades yesterday we did a weekend of camping me and a friend and um hot tip I told people where I was going before I left because I wasn't gonna have (laughs) cell service (laughs) so I was like hey I'm not gonna have cell service this weekend this is where I'm gonna be so if you don't hear from me by Sunday um send help <laughs> might be eaten by an alligator yeah it's, totally it's fine okay. yeah yeah so that was really great that was my first time there I mean like disclaimer I had been there before mm-hmm. but I was when I was coming back from a road trip and I had my dog with me and they don't allow dogs in the park they allow yeah. them in the campground they just don't allow them in the park and yeah. so like I pretty much was on, a, like, I was coming back from a road trip, so I just stopped for the night there at a campsite and slept and then left. That's what I did. So wow. this was, like, my first time being there and, like, walking around and seeing things. So it was fun. Yeah, the one time I've been down there, we just kind of drove past it because I was like, keys, 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 gotta yeah. go to the beach, keys. Like, I'm like, let me see those coral reefs. Let's yes. go to Yes, uh... <laughs> Cause like I can see swamps at home. <laughs> so true. You're like I got one in my backyard. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, I live in like the Texas equivalent of Louisiana. Like we're just an yeah. extension of Louisiana. To be honest, um, I'm sure a lot of East Texans would take offense to that, but it's true. As yeah. an outsider, it's absolutely true. I mean, they do big crawfish throwdowns and boils and all kinds of stuff like that and um Galveston has its own little Mardi Gras so just saying it's pretty much Louisiana yeah 
just with more cows. It, yeah, it's true. Less, uh, <laughs> less panthers. Less panthers, uh, more cows. Same amount of alligators, surprisingly. So uh, are we drinking anything fun tonight? Because I'm not. No, I'm drinking water. <laughs> no, my g- trusty ginger ale. Nice. Love um, it. We're staying hydrated and healthy. Because it's Monday and I have rules about drinking during the week that I'm trying to follow because, you know, calories and yeah, just generally I'm, feeling good. I'm trying to do the same thing, honestly. And the fact that like I can't work out right now, well, as hard as I would want yeah. to because of this injury is like more incentive for me to be like, all right, eat healthy and don't drink a lot of alcohol because like <laughs> I already gained a little bit of weight from COVID. So like <laughs> I need to get that off. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Excuse my sweaty, sweaty, gross hair. I literally just did yoga and then ate dinner, which is probably why my stomach feels weird and thus ginger oh. ale. So. I'm sorry. I couldn't even tell you're sweaty, but you do look like you're glowing. So Glistening. <laughs> yes, it's so freaking humid down here. It's literally just been dumping. Oh, I bet. Like I bet. we've had flash flood warnings just about every day. It's, it's crazy. It hasn't been dumping here, but it was really windy over the weekend, so it made for a really great camp weekend because everything was blown out. But um, it's yeah, lucky. It, it's getting hot. Yeah, it's definitely hot for sure. So I don't know if any of you listeners just heard that, but there's there's definitely another thunderstorm rolling in. <laughs> so if we lose it. Wi-Fi because Jillian's <laughs> Wi-Fi went out, <laughs> hopefully we'll get through. So. On that note, let's go ahead and kind of jump into our little segment where we talk about weird shit that's happened to other people. Yes. uh, Survival stories from people who write in. Yeah. (laughs) I love this. I saw it come through and I was like, I love it. Of course she would have a story. I know she would have a story too. So this is a story from my friend, Emily. I've known Emily since high school and she lives out in Colorado now. And she goes, um, was it like repelling? Yeah. Is that like, that's the thing like you, yeah, it's repelling. That's like a sport. You go down the wall instead of up the wall. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. I don't know the sports out West, like those outdoor actors activities are called so I don't uh, climb so <laughs> I don't climb uh yeah so she sent me the story and um let me read it to you because it's it's just her luck too that's like I think that's why I think it's so funny because it is like her luck um and nothing but disclaimer nothing bad truly happened she she came out okay um so so that's why I'm telling this otherwise probably wouldn't no we just went to her funeral it was yeah oh my god please don't say that my heart would break (laughs) (laughs) um so she had gone to Utah to camp for a night with her friends and like Utah I know it's always Utah isn't it (laughs) it's always fucking Utah and um she had gone to like camp and maybe do some light hiking and like her friends were doing some climbing and rappelling but like she's never done it before so she was just gonna watch so they went to a camping spot that was free in Utah for the night and the next morning they went to this climbing area that had an arch that you could rappel down and uh Emily had her friend Johnny 
kind of convince her that she could rappel down and he was like oh it's fine like Mm -hmm. it's easy you got it and she's like yeah i've never done this before and he's like no no it's okay it's okay and so she was like all right well so hold on a sec is this like a a rock arch or was it like built do you know i have the photo i can i will just share a screen with you real quick it looks like this so it's a rock it's a rock yeah yeah okay okay um (laughs) that's a nice rock Uh, (laughs) um so yeah so johnny was like oh you're fine it's easy it'll be no problem it's not even that high and so they get there (laughs) and emily writes it was very high (laughs) (laughs) she's like i don't remember the specific drop but it was high And then she refers to um, the height of the tallest cliff at St. Mary's Glacier that's in Colorado. And sidetrack, I went to visit Emily one time and when she was like a couple years ago in Colorado, like when mm-hmm. she was living right outside of Denver. And um, we went to this place called St. Mary's Glacier. And at the top is a glacier pond or glacier lake, whatever. Mm-hmm. And there was like a, I think it was like a 15 foot and then a 30 foot cliff. You could jump off into the lake. And so Emily was referring to the 30-foot cliff. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's like, it's definitely a hard enough fall that you would definitely probably break your legs or yeah. something important. Yeah, she because she writes, Haley, if you remember that cliff you jumped off here, it was probably 10 to 20 feet higher than that. Ah, uh, so yeah. 50 so, yeah so it's about like okay. 50 feet <laughs> yeah so it was about 50 feet higher or not higher 50 feet high and uh she but emily emily's a champ and when she commits she commits and so she says i had already signed up for it and i wasn't gonna back down so johnny and two other climbers showed her on a practice face how to drop down and lead the rope through her hands since there is nothing um or since there would be nothing to have on her feet so she she just kind of had to balance because you're like suspended in the air. Yeah, right? I have repelled before when I was a small child and it's terrifying and I didn't like it. But yeah, you're literally just like clipped in to like a harness on your waist and you're the one controlling your descent. There should be like like some kind of safety belay that somebody else is controlling. Right, you would think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like they had it all controlled. It was fine. Um, yeah. So she says that they start up the one side of it and it was pretty much just a free scramble to get to the top. That was a lot for her since she's never done that before. Mm -hmm. But like her friends helped her through it and like told her what to do. And then they get to the top and Johnny's just like, okay, get in this harness and you're going to crawl through that hole and drop down. (laughs) (laughs) And if you know these two together, Emily and Johnny, like that is like their adventures to a t it's just mm-hmm. like no it'll be fine just do this you got it and then the other person's like ah all right <laughs> <laughs> like i guess it's fine i trust you um and so she didn't know that that was part of the deal like getting through the hole and dropping down mm-hmm. uh but their other friend went first to show her how to do it and then so she went after him and she had to shimmy through this hole and just sort of started dropping down after she shimmied through and she says it was cool to see like the mountains and the desert atop where she was, but she didn't realize that her hair was in a pony. Well, I mean, the hair in her ponytail had come over to her shoulder rather than like staying in, in the back of her head. Mm-hmm. And so she says that she got maybe a quarter 
her way down and her hair gets caught up in the mechanics. <laughs> the classic Emily too. Like this shit would happen to her. And so ah. like, her, her hair gets caught in the mechanics of it. And uh, she like, she yeah, she gets caught and she can't move because she's jammed. And then so she started panicking, which is totally fair. Um, she doesn't really know what to do because again, like she's never done this before. So of course panicking like I'm in like I'm in the middle of the sky and I'm jammed and like don't know what to do uh so they were just like her friends just told her or they asked her like if she had a knife which she didn't and this is where I wrote back to her I was like that's surprising because you always have a knife on you like she really always does have a knife on her so like I yeah so that that was just like bummer like the one time that she didn't that was what I was thinking. I was like, let me whip that fucking knife out. Yeah. Go back here. Cause I'm yeah. not getting scalped by you. <laughs> yeah. Your hair will go back. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was kind of a bummer. Cause she typically does have a knife on her and she didn't this time. Um, so her friends were like, okay, well you're going to have to rip your hair out then. And so she had, she had to rip her hair out and then that was fine. And they just continued down the way. She's like, I didn't die, but it was definitely stuck very high in the air doing something I did not know how to do and came down with less hair. (laughs) (laughs) I came down with less hair. Yeah. So that's Emily's survival story of her first time repelling. (laughs) (laughs) That's legitimately, it is scary though, because that's something that you have to be aware of when you have anything ropey around. Like you can't, like when we're on boats, like you don't want to wear jewelry or especially rings because if a rope catches your ring, it could just take your finger off. Yeah. So and same with like hair, you know, you don't want super long hair because, you know, unless it's up in in a bun or something, but yeah, yeah. That's that freaks me out. You know how you're like weird about teeth. Yeah, I'm worried about like rip, ripping hair out. Like, ugh. I mean, I'm I'm worried about that too. <laughs> like, <laughs> getting scalped. Like, that's not something I would want. No. And so, here's the kicker. I was just reading the rest of our message to make sure I didn't miss anything. <laughs> Emily goes, "Yeah, it was really terrible." And come to find out, shortly after that, I didn't know this, but my health insurance was gone. No. So I was just out here doing dangerous things with no knife or health care. <laughs> God. we've all been there like shit we've all been there. that's the thing and, i think yeah. that's like a universal experience for like a millennial or gen z at one point for a period of time you probably won't have health insurance for one reason or another it's not because mm. you're irresponsible it's just, it just happens yeah and so yeah trying to uh not do crazy things is generally <laughs> yep Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a very Emily story, though. Like, mm-hmm. I'm glad she's okay. Because yeah, if I would have heard she got really injured, that would have yeah, and I probably would have gone out to like visit her and make sure she was okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, that- um, I got her permission to use that photo that I showed you. So uh-huh. I would probably put that up and like story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so if anybody else wants to send in survival stories, you can hit up our Instagram, our Twitter, our um, regular old webpage, and what's the other one we have? Facebook? No. We don't have Facebook, but we can. Email. <laughs> Email. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the things. All the things. Oh, we will 
give you all the handles at the end of the episode. So if you have a story that you want to send in, great. If you don't want us to use your name or only want us to use your first name, please let us know um, as well. Because um, we, I know some people value their privacy, especially with these kinds of stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so send in your stories and we'll talk about them and all the weird shit that's happened to you um, at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. I, I'm I'm feeling my scalp is feeling real tingly and not in a good <laughs> way. I'm sure. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, yeah, I, I just am like envisioning Emily being stuck up there with her hair like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> I mean the, the best thing to do would just be to yank it out I guess yeah, yeah. if you didn't have a knife but I wonder how hard it hurt I wonder how much it was I that's feel like what it, I'm wondering I feel like it was a clump I got the yeah. impression it was like a clump of hair it was like a decent amount yeah, yeah. so what's the next story that we're going into yeah so um we are going to be talking about little castaway situation today, which Ooh. was kind of funny because I just got a TikTok and <gasps> there's that little castaway song that everybody's been putting on all their TikToks and now I can't Ooh, get it out. So I don't know what that is because I don't use TikTok a lot. Yeah, I, I joined. I did it. <laughs> I have the app because my friend Jesse sends me a lot of TikToks and like that's the only way like I'll watch it is like through the app but mm-hmm. I don't know the castaway song it's Can like sing this, it? a cute it's like this cute little song from this tv show I don't remember what channel it used to be on but it's called backyardigans I just remember because my brother used to watch it oh. and it's just like these little kids and they're singing castaways we are castaways <laughs> oh my god what so what's like, like the, what's the context of the tiktoks for that then i don't know like people put it with anything huh but it's playing in my head while i'm reading this horrible horrible story just these little kids like castaways. we are castaways i'm like this is this is adorable <laughs> yeah first thing i thought of when i heard castaways was tom hanks and wilson yes that's where my mind goes I mean same but yes now TikTok has ruined that so that's good um so actually real quick before we jump to the story I've decided we might want to do a disclaimer because I like to pick stories that are really screwed up (laughs) oh my gosh am I gonna be able to sleep tonight oh no I mean they're not any worse than any other stories we've been telling but I think the worst one so far was the Amaro tragedy. Yes, that one's rough. That one was, for me personally, that was the worst one so far. Yeah, I, I would agree. With that that one kind of screwed me up after I read it. But yeah, but yeah so I just kind of want to do a disclaimer because um, a lot of these stories involve things like injuries and bodily harm, sometimes a little bit of gore, sometimes a little bit of body horror um and just morbid uncomfortable things so if you think you could be triggered by anything in that realm um this might not be the podcast for you um but if you don't care if you listen to true crime podcasts nonstop, if you listen to other things like this nonstop, you're welcome let me tell you about some horrible things <laughs> we got you on the horrible things <laughs> cha-ching um <laughs> 
So and today, for once, it's not about our life. <laughs> it's not. I know. Surprising. <laughs> um, so today, um, we're going to be talking about the whale ship Essex. Um, and this is basically the Moby Dick inspiration story. If you guys have ever watched, what is it called? In the Heart of the Sea? Yes. That's uh, what this is about as well. Yes. I will say, though, that movie, I, I did watch it and it is the reason that I'm doing this one. Uh, however, very Hollywood glamorized for sure. Yeah. 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 And you'll, you'll kind of see why. Um, so like I said, um, this I watched the movie first, the um, In the Heart of the Sea starring Chris Hemsworth and uh, producer Killian Cillian- Murphy. Is that how you say it? Killian? Yeah, Killian Murphy. Cillian. I'm like, I, I love know. him. He's so pretty. The fucking Peaky Blinders. <laughs> the Peaky Blinders. <laughs> it's a great show. Yeah, so, it. yeah, he's in it too. Um, and so uh, a couple, say five years ago, I think now, um, my dad got into an accident, um, which left him paralyzed. This isn't a sad story about that because that's, you know, a whole other thing and you know processing it and he's doing what he can to get by um but and he got up to dance at your wedding that was really did. nice that he was did. awesome and he walked me down the aisle so yeah it's not it's not all horrible tragedy but it is a lot of horrible tragedy maybe yeah. that's why i'm interested in this kind of stuff maybe <laughs> i'm rambling anyway um, <laughs> point is um we we're in the hospital, the VA hospital for 15 months while he was going through recovery after the accident. And we watched a ton of movies. And this is what really triggered my interest in survival stories because I think both he and I kind of share an interest in that. Um, so we watched the Everest movie. We watched The Martian, which I love. We watched this one. And there's a couple others that I'm probably going to talk about later on but I'm not gonna mm-hmm. reveal uh, but we just watched a fuck ton of movies basically and Love so it. that's what like turned me on to this story because I didn't realize Moby Dick was based on a true story I thought that he just made the whole thing up but I've never actually read the book so you know yeah <laughs> so I was excited for this one because you know it had a bunch of hot guys in it it's about tall shit so I was like it's gonna be really good however it was epically utterly depressing and disturbing um which for me made it even better <laughs> you're like I love it it's great actually no it is it's even it's depressing even for me the movie it was the second half of the movie is pretty hard to get through I think um yeah. So this is a story uh, behind the famous novel, Herman Melville's Moby Dick, uh, featuring the famous Captain Ahab's ill-fated hunt for the white whale. Mm-hmm. I've never read the book. I just know the general Cliff Notes synopsis. Um, but like I said, Melville didn't come up with a story on his own. He talked to a man that he met in Nantucket uh, named Captain George, Captain George Pollard. Okay. And Pollard was the captain of the ill-fated Essex. What was his name? Collard? Pollard? Pollard. Pollard with a P. Got it. With a P, yeah. Pollard. Pollard. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay. So, 
The whale ship Essex was an 87-foot whaler during the early 1800s that ran out of Nantucket, Massachusetts, was, which is an island off of Martha's Vineyard, which is an island off of uh, Cape Cod. So to give you a little idea of where it is. Which is Massachusetts? Yes, Massachusetts. Awesome. Taxachusetts. Massachusetts. Full of mass holes <laughs> and Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> um so i ran out of uh nantucket uh massachusetts just as american whaling was really becoming super profitable and hitting its stride whales provided a variety of products including everything from baleen for corset boning so the baleen is the long strands of keratin hanging in their mouth if you don't know anything about whales and that's what filters the plankton out and they use that to make corsets because um, it's flexible, but pretty strong at the same time. Um, and they also made soap, um, but the most prized goods were the whale oil that powered uh, lamps at the time. Um, so- Oh yeah. Yeah, basically all lamps were powered by whale oil unless you were too far inland to get the products, I guess. And then you just had to use regular old fire or whatever I don't know what they <laughs> used to like a little fire <laughs> tight yeah <laughs> um so in the 1700s whalers mainly targeted the right whale which was called that because it was the quote unquote right whale to catch um, and this was because they were pretty slow and they really didn't view humans as a threat so they were pretty easy to hunt down um, but we pretty much hunted them close to extinction. Um, and so after right whales were becoming harder and harder to catch, American whaling switched over to hunting sperm whales, which are larger and generally just very terrifying. Um, I'm Googling right whales right now because I forget what they look like. They've got the biggest mouths in the animal kingdom yes okay them, yes, yes them yes. and their cousins the i don't know head. which makes sense because you said the baleen and i don't know why i thought that their head was more narrow but no they're big but, fat chonky yeah. boys yeah, right yeah. whales are, are big old chonky boys sperm <laughs> whales do not have baleen they have they're the largest toothed whales um and their teeth are giant they got a big old blockhead they got a big old blockhead um I used to think they were called sperm whales because, I mean, they, I guess you could kind of say they look like sperm, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, like that's... a big head and a small body. But it's yeah, but like that's not actually crazy. not why they're called sperm whales, I have found They out. don't even really have a small body, really, in comparison to their head. Mm -hmm. It's all pretty much the same size. Yeah, they're, they're units. They are, like, <laughs> they will come fuck you up. They are, yes. They're coming in a pod to fuck you up. Yeah. So um, basically, they went to hunting sperm whales because they have large stores of spermaceti oil, um, basically in their big old head cavities, um, which is why their heads are so big. Um, and it's thought, Interesting. yeah, so it's thought that this store of oil either controls buoyancy in some way or acts as a focusing apparatus for echolocation, um, but scientists aren't sure because there isn't enough concrete evidence to support either. I wonder if it does both. I mean, yeah, I mean, like squalene oil for uh, why does it sharks? Mm -hmm. Then that 
help their buoyancy yeah you mean the stuff that's in their liver is it in their liver uh, yeah i think it's in their liver yeah all i know is they got real big livers yeah real and then big livers <laughs> and then what is it dolphins melons is yes like what they yeah. have for echolocation yeah so the <clears throat> spermaceti cavity is basically a melon okay it's a, the equivalent of like a melon on a dolphin um I'm which is go- used for echolocation i'm googling this as we speak and you should see how i'm trying to spell spermaceti <laughs> <laughs> it's a i'm butchering it oh gosh google will figure it out though <laughs> they'll, they'll figure it out yeah. um so while sperm whale hunting could be done in the Atlantic, um, the, as the fishery entered the 1800s, the fleet expanded to the Pacific because there were a lot more sperm whales there. Um, and this is where the whale ship Essex was headed. So I didn't really find a lot of pictures of this because it happened before we had cameras. <laughs> but this is the uh, artistic interpretation of the Essex. So it's a three masted whaling ship with one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve twelve sails that's a lot of sails um so you know your casual pirate ship yeah kind it of. definitely looks like a pirate ship yeah i mean but everybody had those kinds of ships back then, yeah so. um but just to put that in context um, and it looks like the whale that they drew on this photo is like about just as long as the ship right and that will come into play later imagine being out there and seeing something for the that you don't i'm assuming for the first time because they don't know what that is Mm -hmm. and it's like (laughs) they're like holy shit like it's the size (laughs) of our ship yeah well that's where sea monsters came from yeah it's uh whales and whale penises Oh, I'm sure they're just as long as they're. If you've ever looked up a picture of a whale penis, um, they definitely look like little sea monsters coming out of the ocean to say hello. So, oh, really? And they'll and the whales will like roll over and wave them around in the air. Um, Wait, sometimes. why? <laughs> I don't know if it's like a mating thing. I know, like with humpbacks, they have like a kind of a competition between males where they'll they'll uh, chase the female and beat the crap out of each other with their dicks um it's a good time <laughs> oh my like god that? i am <laughs> it looks like um strawberry laffy taffy yes but imagine <laughs> that's like fucking like 15 feet long oh yeah here's a photo it uh it does a side-by-side photo <laughs> with the, the loch ness monster yeah, they look great. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> That's funny. So uh, Wait, look at that. It does look like I could totally see how that. <laughs> yeah. If you want, we can put that up on Facebook or on uh, Instagram too. I think that would be uh, taken down immediately. I think we should go for it anyway. <laughs> be like, it's a sea monster. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh my God. So I just, I, I'm on the images on Google and the first one here is like, sold a stuffed whale penis for $6,000. Oh, you too can have a whale penis for $6,000. Hang it above your mantle over the fireplace. <laughs> I'm into collecting animal bones, but that's a bone I don't need. <laughs> Nasty. 
Yeah, nasty. Mm. All right. Sorry, we're sidetracking now. So we're back to the Essex. <laughs> yeah. Setting the whale penises aside. Um, so the Essex was captained by Pollard, who was 29 years old, um, with Owen Chase serving as the first mate. And he was a 23-year-old who had served with Pollard before. And Owen Chase is the character that um, Chris Hemsworth plays in the movie okay into the heart of the sea um so he's the hot one (laughs) got it (laughs) um so the essex had already had some trouble by the time they departed um they lost their top gallant sail during a storm two days before leaving massachusetts which sucks but they can always get it replaced by the time though the essex made it around cape horn and into the pacific waters off of south america in january of 1820 they found that the whaling grounds they were headed to had already been depleted um, because this is where the whole fishery basically moved into the pacific um pollard then decided to make for a vast newly discovered hunting ground called the offshore ground Um, And this was about 2,500 nautical miles um, into the South Pacific away from South America. So it was, you know, it was far away. That comes into play later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the crew of the Essex was divided into three groups. Two would man the whale boats when whales were sighted and they would go after them. And then the remaining group would stay aboard and manage the ship and make sure it didn't like, you know, float away. Can we uh, give a size comparison of these whale boats compared to the ship for yeah. the listeners? Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> I feel like that's important. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> sperm whales, and I do have a little diagram, um, they can grow up to around 70 feet in length um and bulls or males can be even bigger reaching towards you know like 100 feet long which is Mm -hmm. fucking massive i mean large and in charge large and in charge and you can see um in my little on my little slide there is a diagram of a 62 foot sperm whale in comparison to a human and an elephant and that's just like an average sized sperm the whale. human looks to be about the size of its pectoral fin yeah it's little, it's little army <laughs> like, fin just yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> <is> the one <laughs> yes and i actually also included a picture of sleeping sperm whales because it is the creepiest thing i've ever seen i think life. that's so cool when i looked at this i was like yo like what they yes just, they're just like little little floaty sticks yeah right (laughs) really big floaty six but yeah Yeah. so they sleep upright so they're like perpendicular in the water um Mm -hmm. and they sleep for like 15 minutes at a time and that's it and then they'll come up to the surface and breathe and they'll go back down and but they all like because they all swim together in a pod so you'll just come across a bunch Mm -hmm. of these guys like stick straight upright in the water and it looks like, like a graveyard really it's very creepy, <laughs> but I think it's very cool. It is. I love it. Um, so I just thought that was neat. Just an, See, another. That's another animal behavior fact that just like blows my mind. Mm-hmm. 
also they are a matriarchal society so the women have all the power Holla. so they fucking know what they're doing is what i'm saying <laughs> animals got it right man that's all i gotta say yeah i mean all of the other intelligent uh mammals are matriarchal so yeah i'm just saying you know elephants whales we bees. might as well might as well hop on bees <laughs> we might as well hop on board that's all i'm saying yeah just they don't have an ego thing no (laughs) so to give you an idea of like what it would be like to go after these whales um the whale boats i would say probably around half the size of the whales um so like uh, so maybe like 40 50 feet at the most um probably more around 30 feet in length on average Mm -hmm. um that was the size of boats the whales were you know 60 to 100 feet depending on you know gender and and how old they were and that kind of thing right so the men in the whale boats would literally physically row after these large fast moving whales and then try to hit them with a a tarpoon so they'd have a guy on the front with a fucking harpoon like a spear fisherman throwing at these whales. It's a hundred foot whale who's like what like a thousand pounds mm-hmm. and it's just like <laughs> <dink. laughs> I think eventually they had harpoon guns but still if you're in a small boat <clears throat> these things become basically anchors uh, yeah. for your ship um, and, and sometimes a whale would be strong enough to drag the whale boats down to the depths yeah Um, but usually the aim was to get multiple boats to hit the whale with harpoons and then they would just drag behind the whale until the animal became too exhausted to fight um and it was super duper dangerous obviously yeah because the whale boats were often considerably smaller um than their quarry um and so there's a little illustration on the first slide of uh how uh trying to catch a whale generally went it doesn't look like it went very well it just doesn't look like a good time there's like one <laughs> boat that's boat <laughs> capsized the other one's broken in half the whale's like Fuck there's all, like two y'all. harpoons in it but like clearly it's not going down anytime soon <laughs> no it's like it's these sticks what are we talking about yeah. um, but essentially once they actually killed the whale they would bring it up on the boat and process it there which made whale ships also disgustingly smelly Ugh, i can i just literally all of the years like in a necropsy tent i just that mm. that smell came back to me just now <laughs> yes and Ugh. we were working on small animals yeah yeah yuck <laughs> can you imagine the literal gallons of blood gallons Ugh. gallons of fucking blood Failing is awful. We shouldn't be fucking doing it anymore. No, <clears throat> but it's fascinating. And I, I ever tell you this? How like it was the summer? I think it was like summer of 2016. I want to say maybe 2014 when I was uh, with the Virginia Beach Aquarium with the stranding response team, and For it was sea like, turtles. yeah, with the sea turtles. But it was like also marine mammals, and okay. so. It was a summer when the morbilly virus had taken uh, a lot of bottlenose dolphin lives and they yeah. were washing up on the shore like like 10 to 20 a day. That's like rough. and it like the necropsy tent was just dead dolphin smell uh, all the time. And it was uh, just like 
So you probably have an idea of what that might have smelled like. That, that's why I'm saying like that's the smell <laughs> that just came back to me. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Like I've smelled a dead marine mammal before, and it's not nice. Yeah. So Chris Hemsworth and Killian Murphy might have looked cute in that movie, but they did not. They smell stank. Cute. <laughs> they stanky. Real fucking bad. Um, okay. So. Oh, also, this is a fun fact to show you how shitty, uh, how much of a shit show this trip was. So before the ship started off to the new whaling grounds, um, they visited the Galapagos Islands, which is just offshore of um, Peru, Ecuador, Ecuador. Um, And they uh, accidentally set a fire during the dry season, which spread and may have caused the extinction of the Floriana tortoise um, and the Floriana mockingbird. So that's wow. kind of the precedent for this whole trip. <laughs> they literally were just fucking shit up the entire time. Yeah. yeah On that, accident, it seems like. I think so. I don't think it was intentional, but yeah. also, like, that sucks. And I don't know if they really knew how much of an ecological gem the Galapagos Islands were at that point, because I don't know if... I don't think anybody back then knew any type of importance for right. the environment exactly which is why they're whaling in the first place yeah yeah so the essex had been in the south pacific for months when they spotted the whale that would seal their fate in november of 1820 so pollard um had taken the whale boats out to go hunting um and then chase aka chris hemsworth aka the first mate uh, was left on board. <laughs> I love how we're still referring to, like, we're talking about Chris Hemsworth is the one that's on this ship right now. <laughs> it's Chris Hemsworth. I just need you to know that's what's happening in my little brain right now. Um, yeah. So he was left to tend to the boat while they were away um, with a small crew. Um, so he was the one who spotted the 18, sorry, not 18, holy crap. The 85 foot sperm whale. That's a big difference. <laughs> the 85 foot sperm whale bull, so the male. Um, and just to put that, the SX was 87 feet. So it was literally only probably about two feet longer than this sperm whale. So literally the same Love size it. as their boat. Um, and they saw, he saw that it was acting strangely. Um, he wrote, that it lay completely still on the surface facing the ship and then began to swim towards the Essex picking up speed. The bull rammed into the side of the Essex and then the whale lay next to the rudder because he'd stunned himself. Um, Chase prepared to harpoon the whale but then realized that the tail which was near the rudder would probably cause immeasurable damage to the rudder if the whale began to thrash around which would have left them stranded with no steering capability, which is bad when you're, you know, over 2,000 nautical miles in the middle of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what you want. Um, so the whale did recover and then disappeared and prepared to ram the ship again, uh, <laughs> which... <laughs> Coming back for more. <laughs> like, you need to stop killing my bitches, okay? <laughs> 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 that's actually, like the reason like why people think this whale may have attacked the ship is because like it's getting territorial killing, killing so many whales yeah. in the area which i completely understand um so chase estimated that on the second ram uh the whale speed was 44 
kilometers per hour, which I don't know how he calculated that, first of all. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like he's been hit at 44 kilometers before. And he's like, yep, that sounds That's all right. <laughs> I'm like, y'all don't even have cars yet. You don't know what 44 kilometers oh. per hour looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I've had trains, so. <laughs> Just sounds about right. Like before you, before cars, there was nothing. There's nothing. Um. <laughs> I told you I've been stuck in this room a long time. I mean, no, it's just a, it's it's a funny concept when you think about it. Like they, how did they know it was like? 40? I don't know, but and also like what a random number. Like is it is exactly forty four? Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe Chris Hemsworth was just really good at doing fast calculations. His name I is Chase. <laughs> it's Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> no, for real, his name is Chase. Ah. <laughs> uh. So 44 kilometers per hour, this time the bull struck the bow, crushing the bow, and then the whale was like, peace, and disappeared forever. And then that's when they were like, we're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Except it wasn't Jaws. It was a whale. It is also the inspiration story for Jaws. Turns- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> Had me sold. <laughs> um, water was rushing into the ship faster than they could bail or pump so the only thing the crew was able to do was to try to fill the whale boats with the navigational instruments and what little food and water they could gather before the Essex went sideways and began to sink beneath the waves. Pollard who was out with the other whale boats returned um, after trying to hunt a pod of female sperm whales um, and he asked his first mate, my God, Mr. Chase, what's the matter? My God. <laughs> my God. I love it. Which is basically like, what the hell did you do to my boat? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and uh, Chase answered, we've been stove by a whale. <laughs> You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> so the whole crew is just currently sitting there in the three whale boats with whatever supplies they managed to get off the ship before the hull was too full of water and had begun sinking um so and that happened pretty quickly i mean that happened before pollard even had fully gotten back from the hunting trip Mm -hmm. um so pollard was trying to come up with a plan uh the closest land were the marquesas islands and the society islands otherwise known as tahiti um, and they were about 1,200 nautical miles to the west. But the other option was to try to sail for the west coast of South America, which, as I stated before, as the crow flies, was about 2,500 miles. The problem was they would not be able to sail against the trade winds, which were blowing from South America towards them. So they weren't going to be able to sail against the wind because you need the winds to push you along instead of Mm -hmm. pushing against you. Um, So they would have to sail south for a thousand miles um, before they could avoid um, the trade winds and use the westerlies, which were another group of winds that would push them east. Um, And so in total, if they were to go that route, which is kind of um, not straight and they kind of had to make a curve before they mm-hmm. could turn towards South America was uh, in total 3,000 miles. Oh so, wow that's a lot of miles. That's a lot of miles to go to South America and Tahiti was 
1,200 miles. So a little more doable, still hard. Yeah. So you if your boat's broken. Right. So you <laughs> think you'd go towards Tahiti, right? You'd think, but I mean, the way that they've been acting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can't really blame them for a whale straight up murking their ship. You know? <laughs> like that. No. Yeah. So you think Tahiti would be the choice. But um, so during the 1800s, the South Pacific was still a land of magic and mystery to most of the Western world, i.e. white people. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So in the 1760s, James Cook and his uh, crew, quote unquote, discovered many of the islands and lands unknown to the Western world, including New Zealand, Australia, Tahiti, Hawaii, a lot of the areas in the South Pacific. Mm-hmm. I say quote unquote because white people have had a long history of claiming to be the first discoverers of lands when that they aren't. already had people living in them. So doesn't fucking count. Also, not to mention Polynesian way- wayfarers were far more amazing in their sailing and navigating capabilities thousands of years before white men even got out of Europe and came. Yeah. To- because that was like what they knew that's that's where they live yeah and they colonized all of those islands yeah without you know quote-unquote modern navigational aids um it was more about knowing the stars and the currents and they didn't have an almanac or anything to Mm -hmm. help them out with celestial navigation they they you know use their own methods and it's fascinating and i wish there was more you know information out there about that because those traditions are often passed down orally um it's you know something that was kind of pushed out of a lot of native um, knowledge and i know like there's a lot of south uh pacific polynesian communities that are trying to bring that knowledge back which is really yeah um and they might have actually made it to south america before the europeans did fun fact oh really yeah that's interesting well because they would have come in on the western side of South America, so like Chile mm-hmm. um, and like Peru, Ecuador, that area. Um, and the reason people think this is because there were sweet potatoes in the Polynesian islands before uh, Western Europeans got there. Mm-hmm. And sweet potatoes are a South American thing. Is it? And yes. I never potatoes, knew that. Potatoes in general are South American. They're native to South America. So how'd you learn that? Uh, I uh, took a maritime history class and also took a biogeography class. So yeah. Huh. Yeah. You're just really good at retaining knowledge. I I guess I I am. (laughs) But point is potatoes can't make ocean crossings. Like if you throw one in the ocean, it it would deteriorate within a matter of days. So how did they get to the South Pacific? Mm-hmm. trading yeah they think with That's south american trading yeah yeah and it makes sense because if they were able to colonize the entire south pacific what would have stopped them from popping over to south america yeah Science. that's so interesting you learn something new every day i know so i'm, I'm going completely off on a tangent but that's I know, all i was about to say where were we <laughs> talking about why they didn't go to Tahiti so 
this all being said, um, when cooked, because of the sweet potatoes, <laughs> sweet potatoes, fucking sweet, sweet potatoes. So this right, all back, back to the story. <laughs> this all being said, um, when Cook and actually more specifically his crew introduced Tahiti to the Western world, it was described as an exotic land with beautiful women more than willing to have sex with just about any sailor who wandered ashore. Um, in reality, Tahitian culture was just more, way more open sexually um, and to a sex repressed Brit, like that, that would make sense that that was kind of their interpretation of that interaction. There was a lot of sex that happened mm-hmm. between the sailors and the Tahitians upon first contact as it were. Um, oh, I'm sure. But it, it honestly was just because Tahitians were just a lot more chill and open sexually. Um, you know, so Tahiti, Tahiti, Tahiti quickly gained the nickname Sailor's Paradise and was a frequent stopover for Europeans in this region. In fact, thanks to those dirty British so sailors. Funny. They're like, hey, you want to get... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, you you want to know where you want to go? <laughs> Sailor's you wanna, Paradise. <laughs> you want to go to Tahiti, baby. Um, but unfortunately, thanks to those British sailors, Tahitians were unfortunately introduced to the horrors of syphilis, along with a host of other diseases. Oh, so that's, I was wondering when that was going to happen. That's how much uh, European Tahitian sex was happening, unfortunately. Um, so you would think, though, with a name like Sailor's Paradise, the the you know american wheelship essex would want to go to tahiti that sounds not so bad um compared to yeah. trying to sail in whale boats three thousand miles to south america unfortunately yeah. for pollard and his suspicious crew there were a lot of unfounded or over exaggerated rumors of quote-unquote savagery and cannibalism spread by the Europeans after landing in the South Pacific. For example, James Cook himself was killed by native Hawaiians over a spiritual and cultural misunderstanding. Um, And this was due to violence that the British kind of prompted. But of course they blame the Hawaiians for it because you know, you know how white people roll. Nothing's ever their fault. No. Um, (laughs) And before that, Cook and his men labeled one island, Savage Island after seeing the blood red teeth of the islanders from the shore. Um, that island is actually a small peaceful island of, of Nui, which I believe may be part of Tonga. Um, and the red teeth was caused by the juice of a red banana, which is a species native to Nui. Um, and okay. native Nuaeans stated that they have used it in, to scare enemies off, which is pretty smart. Um, so yeah. these stories had a way of getting around though um, and the superiority complex um, that European explorers had certainly didn't help anything. So um, considering the time period that Pollard and Chase were living in, I'm sure they had heard a lot of these rumors of cannibalism. And so Chase and the crew convinced Pollard that in one of the most ironic decisions ever made, going to Tahiti would be too dangerous because it was said that cannibals lived there what oh yeah and Get and out. the wheels should be turning for most of our listeners about yeah. how this is gonna go so Ugh. we abandoned a 1000 mile voyage to some lovely tropical islands with some very friendly people um in instead 3000 mile trip 
uh, to South America because wow. of uh, a little bit of racism and rumors. Yeah, questionable yeah. cannibalism because mm-hmm. yeah, racism and rumors. Wowie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's mm-hmm. I that's ironic, and karma definitely comes around on that one. Yes, yes. So they faced um, a voyage over some of the most desolate, lifeless places in the world. Um, so what some of y'all may not understand is that the open ocean, despite all of the water, it's kind of a desert in a way. There's yeah, there's not, nothing there. There's not a lot of life out there. The whole ecosystem is controlled by booms of nutrients, oxygen, temperature changes um, that appear due to complex weather patterns and seasonal changes. So when there is a plankton bloom, things are great. There's huge schools of fish um, and they converge and eat the plankton and then the predators follow, gobbling up the big fish bait balls until there's nothing left. And this is repeated throughout the open ocean, but it's such a large space that these bait balls and predator schools are extremely scarce. So there's nothing but empty blue water for thousands and thousands of miles across most of the ocean. And none of that water is drinkable. Mm-hmm. Right. So it is essentially a desert. Yeah. In that way. So that's kind of what they were facing at this point. And if you go to slide three, you can see um, the map, the map of their trip and how they had to first sail south and then sail east. And you can also see Tahiti, <laughs> which is much closer. <laughs> Jeez. to where the Essex sunk than um, South America is. So. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Really bad decisions. Um, well, that, that shit sunk right on the equator, huh? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like a bad omen, too. Yeah. Well, you know, near the equator is where like the doldrums happen, too. There's like no wind. And you don't go yeah. anywhere for days and days. I've never yeah. experienced what I've heard. It's really bizarre. But um, how bizarre? <laughs> how bizarre? How bizarre? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. So they did have some supplies with them in these three whale boats. Oh, and look at that. They are 20 feet long. So they're even oh, smaller. <laughs> they're even smaller than I predicted they were. I didn't realize I had that bit of information. Don't listen like, to anything oh, I say. They were only 20 feet long going after fucking 60 to 80 foot animals. Why? <laughs> Dumbasses. I don't understand how they thought that made sense. I don't know. I don't know. It's the energy industry, man. It was, it was whale oil then, and it's regular oil now, you know? Yeah. Probably paid them quite quite a bit, I would assume. Yeah, I feel like the oil industry has always paid well. It has. Um, so they were 20-foot long boats carrying 20 men each. So there's 60 men, 20 in each boat. As soon as they started, salt water began saturating the bread, um, making the men... Uh, dehydrated as they ate um they still did have some fresh water so they were able to kind of say that a little bit um they rigged the boats with makeshift sails that they had cannibalized from the essex before it sank <laughs> sorry like, uh, more irony uh, more foreshadowing uh, um <laughs> 
Luckily, and it was about all the luck that they had, they managed to save two sets of navigational tools and maritime charts so they were able to navigate. Um, unfortunately for the three boats, only two boats could have the navigational tools and the other boat just had to keep in sight of the other two boats. Just had to keep in sight. Which is sometimes hard on a nice calm day. So um, yeah, yeah, good luck to them. Um, The South Pacific sun was absolutely brutal, frying their skin and salt water seeped into the boats causing salt sores, which we talked about in the Shackleton episode, Mm -hmm. Um, basically pressure sores, um, but then you rub some salt in it and it just makes it worse, Mm -hmm. basically. Um, And so it was causing welts on their skin and they were getting these because the men could not shift positions easily in the crowd of positions um, on the boats. And then if water or waves came in, it just soaked them and, and they had to sit in their misery. Mm-hmm. So good, good time. So one month after the whale attack, um, they had run out of water and they were on the verge of dying of thirst. You can only go without water for three days. So um, they're in pretty dire straits here. They had their second bout of luck and this appeared in the form of the uninhabited Henderson Island near the Pitcairn Islands. Um, which are some of the most isolated islands in the world. Um, Also, the Pitcairn Islands are the home of the famed descendants of the HMS Bounty Mutineers, which is another story for another day. And it is a fucked up one. (laughs) Oh, God. Had they had landed on Pitcairn Island, however, they could have gotten help from the people that live there because the HMS Bounty Mutineers decided to live on the island full time. Um, However, they did not land on the Pitcairn Islands. Um, they landed on Henderson Island. Um, and honestly, I'm not quite sure that they knew where they were exactly anyway. So I don't know that they would have known they were close to salvation at all. Yeah. I um, mean, again, the way that they've been acting. <laughs> yes. Doesn't um, seem like they would have known. So if you take a look at the last slide, that's a picture of Henderson Island, which if you're in the middle of, you know, an open ocean desert, that looks like that's pretty nice pretty yeah good, pretty good spot uh, i mean it's a uh, it's got the beach there so you got some flat land mm-hmm. it's got a lot of greenery which is good and it's uh, a little elevated and it looks like there's some cliff faces so at least you can get under there for some cover if you need to yeah and there's definitely uh, potentially coconut trees so yeah so might you got help. some like water and some food for a little bit at least might help your scurvy issues yeah yeah so that looks 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 pretty good um so they did manage to find a tiny freshwater spring um on this island great awesome solving the thirst problem love that for them i know it's a good look um (laughs) (laughs) they also found a population of seabirds and their eggs and a bunch of crabs which similar to the survivors on the comforted atoll they completely attacked um yeah for sure. because the island was so small in a week they had exhausted the island's food resources that they could exploit oh i'm sure that was going to be like my next comment was i'm sure that they ate all the birds real quick they did and all the eggs and mm-hmm. all the crabs um so by the 26th um, and they had gotten there on the 20th um they uh decided that they had to leave or else they would starve if they remained on the island. Again, 
like the way that they've been acting. Did mm-hmm. no one think, and I know I'm asking this and I'm not looking for an answer from you because I know you don't know the answer to this probably, <laughs> but like, did they not think to ration like I think the birds? They did. Oh, the and birds. They, yeah. Or like anything like that, because it's like, when you think about it, like, yeah, mm-hmm. eat some eggs, eat some birds, but also like you have to have a stock to reproduce yeah. to continue it going. So rationing would be ideal. I think, and this is just maybe my interpretation, by the point they had gotten there, they were so hungry and so thirsty that they didn't really use a lot of logic and reason. I gotcha. Yeah. They were like not even thinking straight. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's what I gather from what I've read about this, but I mean, could, that's fair. I was I w- there. Whenever I get hungry, I start losing my logic too. So it's fine. <laughs> fine. I get it. Give me carbs. <laughs> yeah. Start getting in a different type of mood. That's not very enjoyable. Yeah. It's, you know, hangry. Yeah. I get hangry. hangry. They sure. were hangry. I think. Um, sure. So they had to leave. However, three men decided to stay behind and try their luck with survival on the island, um, which I kind of understand that, you know, well, maybe if there's less of us, we'll have more food resources between the three of us. Yeah. I mean, makes it makes a little bit of sense. I, I see what they're doing there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, at that point, you're so desperate. You're like, I'm just going to try it. See what happens. Yeah. Because <laughs> at that point, I think they're still about 2000 miles away. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Um, okay. So within three days of leaving Henderson Island, they had already decimated all the crabs and birds that they had brought with them. So they did bring some food with them. Okay. And as and soon even the small stockpile of bread from the Essex was dwindling. At this point, the men really started going mad. Um, and slowly, one after another, they began dying. Oh, God. So Matthew Joy was the second mate, and maybe that's who Killian Murphy played, but I could be wrong. I need to I watch it up. I need to watch the movie again. Um, so the second mate was the first to die on January 10th, and then another man died on January 18th. Um, one man stood up demanding a dinner napkin and water, as you do, and then began convulsing, dying the next morning. So we've got three men dead um, within about a week of each other. Yeah. Killian. What do you say? Killian? Cillian? What do we say his name is? Killian Murphy. Uh, yeah. Matthew Joy. Yeah. That's who he played. So that was Killian's dead. He's, he's done for. Um, so the man who uh, demanded a dinner napkin and water was in Chase's boat, um, which had gotten separated from the other two. They had run out of food completely at this point. And so in Chase's own words, they, and this is a little trigger warning. If you don't like gross stuff, hey, just stop listening. So, and this is in Chase's own words. They separated the limbs from this man's body, cut all the flesh from the bones, after which we opened the body, took out the heart, and then closed it again, sewed it up as decently as we could, and then committed it to the sea. Then reported that they roasted and ate the man's organs. Ugh. Which at Yuck. least they waited for him to die before they ate him. Yeah, and at least tried to like give him a proper burial. Yeah. And that always brings up an interesting point of morality for me that um, as I am right now, I could never fathom doing yeah. that. However, 
in that situation, would that change? And I think it does for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. And if I was the one dying, I'd be like, yeah, eat me. I don't care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I would give the disclaimer. Like if I die, you guys go ahead. Yeah, I do. And I mean, there's a lot of cases of cannibalism, both in survival and other circumstances, um, but it has been quote unquote taboo for a very long time, um, at least within Western society. And so I think that's why to us, it's a very like a revolting thing to think about, but that always fascinates me because I'm like, okay, what level of like desperation do I have to be in for that kind of to kick in Mm -hmm. and be like, give me your arm. (laughs) Yes. It's, it's interesting to me. Well, now I'm Googling cannibalism. Yeah. I want to see if there's any current stories about cannibalism because I want to say I heard some rumor about like, what is it like the, like cannibalists, cannibalists and like the Appalachian Trail or something. It was a, a true crime thing or I don't, uh, I don't know. Legend? I think it's an urban legend. So like people don't listen to me on that because. Yeah, <laughs> I think the most, one of the more recent um, cases of survival cannibalism was like the Uruguayan flight that crashed in the Andes. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right now. Which I want to do at some point. It's a a fascinating story. I I still have to see the movie. I haven't seen the movie. But that one is like so interesting and heartbreaking. And they only, you know, ate the dead. And these people are still alive today. I can talk about this situation. um, Yeah. And so that, that one's really, really interesting. Um, really tough but they absolutely persevered and did not kill anybody to eat them so, yeah which is important because that's always happen. so speaking of that so by january 21st the other two boats ran out of food completely um, four more men died and they were kept and eaten as well so at this point everybody kind of had the same idea um, mm-hmm. then those two boats lost sight of each other one of these boats was never seen again. Um, however, a small whaleboat with three skeletons was found washed up on Ducey Island, um, which was another uninhabited island in the Pitcairn Island chain. Um, so they think that that was the third whaleboat and nobody survived. Um, oh, dang. That one. Um, so we have one boat with Owen Chase and one boat with Captain Pollard. Um, so slowly the survivors realized their rations of human flesh were not lasting long either. And this is because the more they ate, the hungrier they felt. And this is something that happens in a lot of survival situations, especially cannib- cannibal uh, situations. Mm-hmm. Um, happened to the Donner Party um, yes, as well, uh... which is what I want to do. Um, <laughs> the Donner Party. I was just talking about that the other day, actually. So yes, let's do that. Is a hot, is a hot mess. (laughs) Yes. uh. It's so fascinating. Um, So in Pollard's boat on February 6th, a young sailor named Ramsdall proposed they draw straws to determine who would be eaten. Oh, stop. Oh, yeah. So imagine getting the shortest straw and you're just like, oh, God. All right. At least I don't have to eat people anymore, I guess. That's how I would see it. (laughs) Um, So the whole concept of drawing straws, actually, fun fact, comes from this exact situation of sailors lost at sea in boats deciding who to kill for food. 
oh, and no it way. was the custom of the sea at the time like all sailors knew like if you're in that kind of survival situation it's we're gonna draw straws like it was all everyone understood it at that oh time. wow so whenever you draw straws for anything it's because originally that was to figure out who they were gonna eat in See, their that, boats these are the random fun facts that i remember that like i'll be telling the next time i have to draw straws and it's gonna make the whole environment more awkward (laughs) so like oh we're drawing straws also like fun fact did you guys know that uh (laughs) people did this because they were gonna die originally (laughs) very morbid yeah i know too much stuff i'm sorry how do you sleep at night honestly (laughs) i don't know this is how i cope with my anxiety because i'm like oh this looked like in the 1800s (laughs) we don't have to worry about this now (laughs) yeah oh my gosh so, okay, so the captain, um, his first cousin was a man named a, uh, Owen Coffin. So not Owen Chase, Owen Coffin. And mm-hmm. he was the captain's first cousin. Um, and he was, you know, basically the underling of everybody because he was, a, he was a, a young teenager. So when they went to draw straws, uh, Owen Coffin was the one with the short straw. Oh, the little baby. Yeah. Pollard was extremely upset, telling the boy, if you don't like your lot, I'll shoot the first man that touches you. And even offered to take the boy's place, but the boy resigned to his fate. Aww. Um, and then after you draw straws to figure out who's going to die, um, then you draw straws as to who is supposed to execute the person. Oh, my God. Wait, um, did the, what's his name? Pollard did he draw that one no um it was Coffin's friend Ramstall who got the short straw oh stop um and he was the guy who suggested that they do this in the first place oh stop Mm -hmm. so it's not like it's fun times and oh let's eat this guy it's like very difficult thing to do and they're obviously not taking pleasure in it yeah Um, but it's like how do you decide like i'm gonna do whatever it takes to survive versus like i'm not doing this i'm not also like executing your friend right like that's shitty so before ransville though could even pull the trigger coffin shot himself so coffin executed himself committed suicide oh yeah Um, because he didn't want his friend to kill him and yeah have that weight yeah so it wasn't you know it wasn't taken lightly um it was a very serious situation they you know had everything became real real at that point yeah everyone had enough sense to feel a lot of feelings about the whole situation um but after coffin shot himself he was also eaten as well um soon after the third crewman died of you know he didn't not in the straw game i think he just died of starvation or whatever yeah um and pollard and ramsdale were left to finish his body um they smashed the bones of their crewmen on the bottom of the boat so that they could suck up the marrow um and at this point they became obsessive over the bones of coffin and the other crewmen steadily declining into madness so on february 18th which was 89 days after the Essex was hit by the sperm whale, Mm -hmm. a British vessel called the Indian spotted and rescued Chase's boat, which now only contained Chase and two other crewmen. 
Pollard's boat was about 300 miles away when on February 23rd, which was 93 days after the sinking of the Essex, the Nantucket whale ship, the Dolphin, found Pollard and Ransel. The two of them were absolutely confused and completely dissociative and didn't even notice the ship beside them. Oh my God. Became terrified of the dolphin and the crew and very possessive over the crewman's bones. Ugh. Which. Yeah, because they were like losing their mind and that's like, that's our friend. Don't take them. Well, also it's their, their form of sustenance. Yeah, also that too. That's that's all they had at that point. Yeah. Um, all five survivors <laughs> were reunited in Valparaiso, Chile, and were placed under the care of the ship's doctor on the USS Constellation. The survivors told of the three men they had left behind on Henderson Island, and the merchant vessel Surrey was dispatched to look for them. All three men who were left on Henderson Island were still alive and rescued. Golly. And they hadn't eaten anybody, so good for them. <laughs> yeah. So oh they probably gosh. had a much better go of it, but yeah, had... Uh, they not found the five survivors in the whale boats. It's unlikely that anyone would have ever gotten to Henderson Island to rescue them. That yeah, and then they would have just died. Yeah. So this is whatever. Yeah. So this is like an even more screwed up version of of the whole Shackleton adventure. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's like the Shackleton adventure gone wrong. Gone absolutely wrong. <laughs> Fucking bonkers. <laughs> Oh my god, it's awful. Um, so that's why, like, getting through in the heart of the sea, like that second half of the movie is pretty rough. To it watch. is, yeah. Because, like, as you were telling me the story, I was trying to think back to like the scenes of that movie, mm-hmm. and because I'm pretty sure Killian Murphy dies on in the movie. I'm pretty sure he dies on the island. Yeah, I can't remember. I don't think he dies like in that way because he's made like a more important character, and also he has some beef with Pollard in the movie, which I don't know that that actually happened yeah and the attack of the whale on the ship was like so dramatized in the movie it was but that's also like it's a you know the it's movie. a movie and I'm, I'm sure that they like probably took that from like moby dick too because mm-hmm. moby dick always makes it sound like it's a insane attack as well yeah yeah so that's i mean that's that <laughs> so by the time everyone was rescued on the 5th of april there were only eight survivors of the whale ship Essex. 22 men died. Seven of those were consumed by their fellow sailors. Ugh. It is likely that if they had sailed to Tahiti, all of the men would have survived. It just goes to show you that rumors and racism will not get you anywhere in life. Won't get you anywhere in life. Because you could have been chilling with a coconut in your hand on a nice sunny beach. Getting laid. Maybe, you know, with a girl she consented. So yeah, yeah. So it's, so it's not so bad. Or boy, if that's what you're into. Uh, yeah, man. As long as, as, long as there's consent. Man. As long as there's consent. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, so Pollard actually returned to sail as the captain in 1822 um, of another ship, less than a year after the ordeal. Did he fuck that one up too? <laughs> but the whale ship he commanded was wrecked on some shoals off the coast of Hawaii. <laughs> oh my god why is he like this i guess better hold on hold on but wait there's more he then joined a merchant vessel 
which also wrecked off the coast of Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't have to eat people in those two adventures, so it was better. Um, oh my god. Sailors now considered Pollard a Jonah, uh, which refers to the Bible story of Jonah and the whale. Um, and it's a mm-hmm. sailor superstition. If a crew member is deemed a Jonah or unlucky, no ship owner would trust them to sail a ship again. And no sailor would want to sail with him because, you know, he just kept getting on boats that wrecked. Yeah. Um, which I, I understand. I, I'm a little suspicious. Uh, superstitious out on the water myself. Yeah, um, you're not superstitious. You're not superstitious. You're just a little stitious. <laughs> I'm just a little stitious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that's fair. Like, that's when you said the third shipwreck, like, that yeah. was my thought. I was like, like that no. guy's got bad luck. Like, he's not, he can't be on ships. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not okay. So he returned to Nantucket, and every November 20th, um, he would lock himself in his room and fast in the memory of the Essex. Oh, I'm sure. And he lived to a ripe old age of 78 and told yeah. Herman Melville the story. Yes, um, I do remember the ending of the movie. I believe it's like them two sitting down and it's like mm-hmm. the beginning of the tale. Being and he's like, again. let me tell you about this fucked up shit I did. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Chase, on the other hand, remained at sea for 19 years, becoming captain of various whale ships and even eventually building his own. He went through a grand total of four wives. Two died. Four wives. One divorced um, before he retired. Uh, The ordeal haunted the man, however, giving him migraines and nightmares. (laughs) Same. And even caused him to start hoarding food when he got older, which... He probably had a lot of PTSD from that. Um, oh, yeah. Like, not joking aside. Like, yeah, no, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, he was eventually institutionalized, unfortunately, but lived to the relatively old age of 73. That's pretty old okay. yeah. back then. The story of the whale ship Essex inspired one of the true American classics, Melville's Moby Dick. Um, but the experience that the men had in real life was way worse than even Melville could create in the pages of the famous novel. And he very conveniently left out all of the cannibalism. <laughs> so <laughs> what yeah. I think is the big uh, takeaway from this story um, is this was the most ironic mistake um, that you could make. Yeah. Because they didn't want to go to Tahiti because they were worried that there were cannibals there. And then they turned into the cannibals. Cannibals. Yeah. How wild. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, let me do my uh, citation. citations before I forget. Um, citations. So I did a little uh, looky-looky on Wikipedia um, just for some general uh, information about American whaling in the 1800s. As well as the specs of the Essex whale ship. Um, a lot of the information on whales came out of my own anecdotal knowledge because I've been obsessed with whales since I was a very young child. So, AKA Jillian's really smart. I mean, <laughs> I just retain things. <sighs> I retain things I think are interesting because if you ask me a question about the stats I learned today, I'll, I'll be like, I don't, I don't, know. <laughs> I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I, I used a little bit of Wikipedia for that, um, but the main chunk of this came from the true life horror that inspired Moby Dick um, by Gilbert King of the Smithsonian Magazine. And then also the information about the South Pacific 
different cultures within the South Pacific and the information on James Cook's voyages um, comes from the book Blue Latitudes, which is by Tony Horowitz, which I highly, highly recommend if you kind of want the real insider uh, kind of knowledge on cultures in the South Pacific. And it's really good for dumb white people like us who need to learn more about other cultures. Um, it's super important. And he does a really good job with making it very interesting. Um, he's actually from Virginia, the author. Oh, nice. So those are my uh, citations. And that is the whale ship Essex. Bada bing, bada boom. And mm. just for everyone else uh, listening... Jillian tells me these stories literally right before my bedtime. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> these are my bedtime stories. <laughs> I'm going to sleep great tonight after this one. can tell you what. <laughs> Still, I think this one's not as rough as the Armero tragedy. It's not. But I mean, like, I think actually I want to watch the movie before I go to bed now, too, though, because. Yes. I was going to watch it the other day when I saw that this was on the list and then I just forgot. I got sidetracked and I didn't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. But and do like a good uh, sea story I movie. Know. And like there's Chris Hemsworth and Kelly Murphy are really good actors. And yeah. They actually lost like a stupid amount of weight to for this role. You should look at the behind the scenes. I did. when I, Well, when I was looking at the cast to see like who Killian Murphy played in that role, uh, I went to images and it had the Chris Hemsworth side by side of mm-hmm. how much weight he lost to play that role. I mean, and they looked skeletal, emaciated. Yeah, and they were still eating. They were still eating. It's not yeah. like you know they were in the same position as these guys. I could never do that. Like being a like. I mean, that's only the actors and actresses, right? Mm-hmm. It's like being in that job and like playing these roles where you have to look a certain way and yeah. like. I mean, and it goes the other way, too. Like, there's some rules where people have to gain a lot of weight. Yep. Like, that's just not healthy either way. Or gain a lot of, um, but yeah, that, the behind the scenes of that movie, that fast. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. I was like, that's when you're like, hey, CGI is a thing. Let's yeah. do that. <laughs> okay, like, cool. contouring is a thing. Let's yeah. just do that. Contouring. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, spray paint some like definition there or something i don't know yeah because uh i like madonna so just saying <laughs> so speaking of you know good things what is your happy thing that happened this week mm-hmm. or in the past three weeks since i've I know, seen you hot <laughs> fucking minute that's for sure <laughs> um well I, re- I really enjoyed my trip to the everglades mm-hmm. over the weekend and then Prior to that, I was telling you how I was going to meet my nephew for the first time, and I met him for the first time, and he is the sweetest little baby ever. He's got such a cute little grumpy face. I am obsessed (laughs) with him. Like, they let me hold him so much, and, like, when I was holding him, I had the thought, I was like, ooh, I already want to come back, and I haven't even left yet. This is going to be, like, kind of hard to be so Mm -hmm. far away for a while. yeah. So um, I just keep staring at the photos I have of him like a dumb, dumb person. Like, I mean, oh, he's he's your little baby nephew. Like, baby nephew. he's so cute. Yeah, he's just like so. He like you put like the camera in front of him, and he puts on a show. 
Like he could just be like la di da, but then he sees like you're trying to take his picture, and he like smiles and flirts, and he's like, hey, hey take my picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. So cute. I saw that because he had like a little grumpy face, and then he had like a cute little baby, and I was like, yeah. oh, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> uh huh. He knows what he's doing for sure. And then, yeah. um, oh my gosh, yeah, I ran the keys 100 and hurt yourself. Ah, yeah, a little. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of you. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I didn't feel hurt until four days afterwards. Right, right. So I felt pretty good. And I just I think I just needed to take some more time to rest that I didn't and Mm -hmm. lesson learned. But I'm feeling I'm I'm getting over the little hurt situation. So we're good. I got a massage scheduled for tomorrow to help. through that. So that'll be good. Um, But yeah, so for people listening that don't know what the keys 100 is, it is a 100 mile six-person relay race from Key Largo to Key West and I ended up collectively running 18 and a half miles so that's a lot that's way more than I could ever do because I can really only run one mile yeah it was fun we had like a caravan like picked us up at spots and dropped us off at spots and then we had a big cooler in there and we had like all of our stuff so um you got crampy in the middle of it because like you'd run and then just go sit in a car for like the next time you had to run so. yeah but at least we had like food and water on hand to like yeah charge i'm sure and, it was hot uh, it was so hot um and then a week from now i'm gonna be in wyoming doing a half marathon at the grand tetons fun i hope yeah. you feel better before you that's go. why i'm trying that's why i'm trying to get this yeah no that's why i'm trying to get this fixed real quick because i'm like shit oh you're crazy <laughs> and my parents are coming out and it's my dad's birthday the day after the race so yeah it's gonna be nice it'll be a nice little family time dude like two miles of running would be a big deal for me so like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll cheer you on don't run um yeah. um so I guess my happy thing was my mom came for a little over a week and yeah. we had a lot of fun. Yes, you guys had such cute photos. I saw yeah. them on Facebook. Yeah, so we uh, went to Galveston. She's about two hours away um, from my house. And it's a very cute little coastal town. It's gorgeous, like Victorian buildings and like beautiful, like old Southern style kind of houses and a little bit of like French quarter as like New Orleans style buildings as well. So it's mm-hmm. got kind of a cool combination, but we went on a ghost tour. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. How was that? It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot of things I didn't know. Um, and I actually have more to add to an episode that we're going to be doing later. Oh, wait, a little hints. Or do you not want to spoil? Actually, well, don't tell me because I'm scared of ghosts. So don't tell me because I'm about to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I take it all back. Don't say anything to me. Okay, I won't say anything. <laughs> um, so that was kind of, that was cool. And my mom was like totally into it, which I didn't know. But she was like all about that paranormal stuff. And she was like all over it. And I was like, what? awesome. So we had a lot of fun with that. And uh, I guess the thing I'm looking forward to is... I'm going to go to Maui soon Hey, for the honeymoon that never happened because COVID. I love that. So, I'm so gonna... yeah, my, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I just fine. thought of the, the pun that my cousin said when they went to Maui for their honeymoon, she would be like, 
Hashtag we're Mauied. Oh, God. Or like we just got Mauied or something like that. Oh, God. Um, At this point, it's going to be more of a a two, a second anniversary trip. But But a month is going to fly by pretty quick. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it will. Um, I'm, I'm definitely taking off the days, but yeah, actually on our anniversary, we'll be officially one month out from going to Maui. So. Oh, I love it. To celebrate. Um, but I think Corey's just going to take me out to dinner because, you know, we're saving up funds to kind of splurge on the trip. Um, yeah, so we're going to be there sure. for two weeks and I'm super pumped about it. Um, so yeah, so happy things, good things. You're going to Wyoming at some point. In about a month, I'll be in Maui, hopefully. Yeah. So if somebody wants to um, contact us um, or send us a survival story of their own, where can they find us? Yeah, you guys can find us on our Instagram at Mother Nature Will Kill You podcast. Slide into our DMs and share with us what you got. And uh, give us some information as in if you do not want us to use your full name or any other details like that. Mm-hmm. And we will respect your privacy. Um, we are also on Twitter at M-N-W-Y-K. No. The acronym, <laughs> the acronym literally makes my head hurt. It's the acronym. Yeah. On Twitter, we're M-N-W-K-Y podcast. And you guys can follow us or slide into our DMs there. And where else? We got our website, MotherNatureWillKillYouPodcast.com. There is a contact form on that website. You can send us an email through that. And you can uh, also listen to our podcast there if you don't have Spotify or iTunes or yeah. anything like that. Google uh, podcast or whatever. Yeah, whatever yeah. Yeah, that is. Um, so yeah, those are things you can hit us up on. Share us your stories. We'll tell it on the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Emily for telling her telling us hers because that was a kicker um what else i think that's it i think it's uh time i'm still caught up on how i can't say that acronym (laughs) 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 like my i'm like jesus Haley, get it together w-y-j-f-k okay um so i guess it's time to um kind of wrap this little show up stay safe but most of all Stay curious, explorers. See ya. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) That was so loud.